Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Mike Stella. He is a certified athletic trainer based out of New York. He is a rock tape instructor and the owner of the Movement Underground. Originally, I thought this recording got all screwed up and we lost about the last quarter of it, but I was able to salvage it and I'm super pumped about it. We had a really fun conversation, so without further ado, Mike Stella. start this podcast by just kind of asking you a lot of rapid fire questions uh, sweet i haven't done that in a while so uh what was the first car you ever owned my first car that i ever owned was a 1974 chevy caprice nice uh it was yeah it was uh it was a junker it was a, a car that my my stepdad had bought to rebuild and and it ended up being like what i started to learn in and um and then i quickly was into a chevy lumina a ninety five, a ninety six Chevy Lumen. That was really my first first car, um, but yeah. <laughs> right on. Who's your favorite? In purple. In purple. My favorite superhero. Yeah. My favorite superhero. That's a hard one, man. Um, I've always been a huge X Men fan. I'm a big Cyclops fan. I was like yes. kind of like the stoic leadership, and you know, he wasn't like always the most overwhelming superhero, but. When it counted, he could optic blast the crap out of some stuff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a great answer, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think about it a lot, and every time I see Captain America on the big screen, I'm like, that's my guy. That's who I want to be. I know. It's, you know, it's really hard. I guess it depends on, like, Marvel, DC, but, yeah. I, you know, like, me and my cousin, like, my brother and one of my cousins were really close in age, and we were really into comics and, like, superheroes when we were younger. And when we would play X-Men, I'd always end up being Cyclops. So yeah, yeah. I guess that's why I, I would choose Cyclops now. Right on. Uh, what's the most important thing you learned once you got out of school? Uh, the most important thing that I learned out of school was that I don't owe anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That what I think I know is just a fraction of what's really out there and – um, I guess just always keep learning. I think that was the biggest thing. I think, uh, you know, I was really lucky. My first job was at the university of Florida with the Gators. And so I was just exposed to so much right away. And yeah. then I was like, Oh wow. So the four years of studying that I just did really didn't even scratch the surface. So. Right. And that's where I am. And that's why I have this podcast. Cause I hear, I hear a lot of you guys on different podcasts and I'm like, well, why isn't this person asking this question? That's the question that I have. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. And so that's why I get you guys on there so I can ask. Um, and, that's awesome. And speaking on that, like I took um, Joe and Courtney's uh, top down, bottom up course. Yeah. And I I'm going to go in April. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But I, I walked. It's Joe and Courtney. It's only, it's only going to be good. You know what yeah. I mean? I got to talk a little bit about like how they, the background of it and it, it was really cool to get their like inside perspective, but I'm excited. This year, 2019, 
my mission is to kind of like all the other Octave instructors that have their own courses because that's something I'm interested in doing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, 2019, I'm going to try to, I'm going to go take Perry's course, go take Joe and Courtney's course, go take Shantae's course. Um, so that's really my goal. See if I can make my rounds and support, you know, support the rock tape family, but also, you know, continue to learn myself. Yeah. So that's uh, one of those things I always keep learning. Right. So I took uh, functional range conditioning last April and then really, cool. got it, really got into the foot. And I was like, man, I know some stuff about the foot. And then Courtney started talking. I'm like, Oh, I don't know shit about the foot. All I know right. about the foot <laughs> All I know about the foot right now is that it's at the end of my leg. That's it. Like she, <laughs> man, even at the, even while she was teaching, you could see that she would just be like getting into this little hole, but she did a really good job of like pulling herself back out. Cause she, yeah. Yeah. Like, man, bananas. Yeah. That's bananas. the thing. Like you start going down these rabbit holes and she, yeah, she's on another level of thinking when it comes to like foot biomechanics. And, um, I was, she was my first, like, so when you, when I got on board with rock tape, they asked you to co-teach, uh, some classes. And so, my first weekend of co-teaching was with Courtney and Joe. And um, so, you know, Joe's obviously, you know, very psychosocial approach and, and he delivers that really well in his version of the rock tape classes. And Courtney takes that biomechanical approach and it was just amazing. I was just like, wow, this is so cool yeah. to see how both of them attack it. So that's why I'm really interested in taking their course. But yeah, you go a million miles deep on that stuff, man. I know. And it's what's, I think the funnest and the reason why I reach, reach out to you guys so much is because you guys are all just so deepen all your perspective things but then kind of bring it all together into this like rock tape education which is super amazing because everybody right. has like a different yeah, it's, it's awesome man I'm, I, I think that's the i think that's one of the best parts about it is and, and they and rock tape embraces that yeah. that we all have a slightly different perspective we all believe in the same basic philosophy and like what we're doing when it comes to the taping and the tooling and, and all that kind of stuff but we all deliver it in our own unique way within the parameters of what obviously rock tape education is and I think that's what's special about it because yeah. you can go, you could take that course with three different instructors and pull totally different things out of it, even though the core education is still the same. So uh, I think that's really, I think that's why the FMT curriculum has gotten so popular because people really recognize that. And it's, it's attractive for a learning environment to get, it's like, Oh wow, I really want to see more of an athletic trainer's perspective. So let me go take Mike's course. Cause you're going to get a little bit more of the sports side with me and, and um, which is fun, you know, and then some people who aren't expecting that, I think pull some away from it too. So it's really, again, a lot of fun. I love yeah. it. And you know, that's partly why I started the podcast because uh, when I got out of massage school, I started really kind of diving into a lot of this different stuff. And, and they, the information that I got in massage school was completely irrelevant to everything that I needed to apply to my practice. And so, sure. That's why I started getting all these people on. Like, you know, like one of the first people I got was Adam Wolf. And I think I asked him like four questions and he talked for like almost an hour and 20 minutes. And that's oh, like, man, yeah, I spent, yeah. I spent a lot of time with Adam in Cancun. Um, Cause it was the first time I'd actually ever met him. We'd spoken a little bit online here and there and yeah, I could see how that could happen. Yeah. That guy's yeah. very deep and he, you know, he really knows his stuff. And like for me, um, I, it's just great to be surrounded by all these people who are just really so savagely good at what they do. Um, right. and so it makes me better and that I'm just grateful to be a part of it, man. Right. And then, you know, Perry Nicholson, I say this a lot, like he's, he's the guy that's the big rig on the highway in a snowstorm. And you're just like, if I follow that guy, I'll be okay. You know? So just do everything. <laughs> that guy's. And so, that's a great analogy. Yeah. That is a fantastic analogy. 
because you mentioned that you wanted to take some of his courses, and I took uh, three courses from him last year. Um, so one of them was the the ANF course, and then I took uh, right. his primal movement chains, and then his functional health systems course. And yeah, that guy's on another level, and every every hole I needed plugged in my understanding is that guy is just like already way ahead of it and is already figured right. out. You know what I mean? So it's really, yeah. So if you, if you were going to take Time in the trenches, man. Time yeah, in the dude. trenches. Obviously, you know, Perry's a passionate guy and, you know, probably one of the reasons that I'm even with Rock Tape. He was the instructor that I took first and was like, oh my God, this company's awesome. Like, yeah, I can remember it was like 20, early 2013 or maybe it was late 2013. So it wasn't long after FMT had started. Yeah, uh, and I took I took uh, the, the taping course, and it was him teaching it in New York City. And I only signed up for day one, uh, and yeah. so when I went, like obviously it was mind blowing. I had taken other kinesio taping before that, and didn't really like I I liked using the tape. Uh, I had athletes that told me that they really loved it, that they felt great, but I didn't really understand what and why I was doing it. And so when I took that course, it was like it just brought it all together for me. And he's like, "Hey man, you're gonna come for like day two? And I was like, uh, "I am now." So yeah. I signed up for day two. And the funniest part about that, here's the best part about that story, is because like I was taping in the class and he's like, oh, you've done this before, haven't you? Because I had I already been kinesio taping for years at that point. And, um, and I'm an athletic trainer, so like tape is what I do. Like I'm right. good, really good with tape. And so <laughs> he's just like, oh, you got to come down. You got to come tomorrow because that's when the real shit goes down. So I came back the second day. And then so we're at the, we're at the Rock Tape Summit like a few weeks ago in Cancun. And I'm in a group talking with someone like the, like the OG instructors. It was like Harry and Stu and Mitch Houchild and all the guys that were there, like, you know, really early on. And they were kind of talking about how they got into rock tape. And, and then they asked me like how I did it, which was kind of like randomly, I guess. And yeah. I was like, well, Perry was really what inspired that. He's like, wait, was it a, was it a class in New York city? Like in October. And he like knew exactly the class that he met me and I was like blown away that he remembered that. I was like, dang man, like I can't remember what I ate two weeks ago for dinner on Friday night. I remember five yeah. years ago, a course in New York and you teach like 40 courses a year. Like, oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. But it was really cool. That guy's bonkers. He's one of those people you look at him on Instagram and you're just like, how are you doing everything? Because you're doing I know, a lot of stuff. I know. It inspires me, man. It inspires yeah. me. I'm just trying to get a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking on Stu, like he's, he was the one that, uh, I hosted the Rock Blades up here last year as well. And so he was the one that talked. Oh, cool. Yeah, that guy was really fun. That guy's really fun to be around. So, oh, yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the theme of the whole crew in general is just everybody's, you know, they're really good at what they do, but they're also really fun people and really genuinely just great people to be around. So like I said, man, I'm just super grateful to even be part of the team. I'm grateful that you're I'm on your podcast. Like, it's pretty cool, man. Pretty yeah, cool. man. And it's so I had the same similar story that you had. Like, so I started uh, my athletic journey um, pretty late. Got to get into uh, mixed martial arts and, and uh, when, you know, that's a rough and tumble sport, man. You're just like sure. literally trying to beat each other up every day. Uh, same story as you where I got the KT tape and I was like putting it on all the time. And I was like, yeah, this is great. And if I could have it all over my body, I would. But then it would just – there. I remember a distinct period of time where the KT tape just didn't work anymore. Like the sticky right. just was gone. And I was like, why, why would they do that? And then right. like right when rock tape came around. So then I just started buying rock tape and that stuff has no problem right. whatsoever. And so 
you know, then once I got out of massage school, that was the first continuing education course I took was rock tape at uh, Exos in Phoenix. And, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so it's a lot. And I took that in early 2015. And the it was really interesting because the, the instructor was really kind of blasé about it and was just kind of half asleep the whole time that he was teaching. And I doubt very seriously oh, wow. that he's teaching with you guys anymore. I don't even know, remember his name or anything. But you know, then I took uh, Rock Blades, like when it first came out, and that course blew my mind to where, and I had to drive all the way down to Tucson, which is like a four-hour drive, and then right. the whole way back, I was like, what the hell did I just learn? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> all the... Yeah, it's totally stuff, different. It's totally yeah. different than, you know, because I, you know, like I, I was Graston certified for years, and that was the one Rock Tape course that I really hadn't taken yet. Yeah. Um, you know, because at the time my career, like continuing at dollars was really tight. So I had to really be kind of judicious with what I was taking. So I figured, oh, I already took an instrument course. So let me take some different stuff. And then uh, took the Rock Blades course finally. And, and just like for me, like when I learned instrument work like 11 or 12 years ago, and I've really been doing it that long because it was like the first thing I started doing like right out of school. And, um, you know, but I was in an athletic setting, you know, I was working at a big time D1 with you know, elite level athletes and the, and the mindset was more is better and deeper is better. And if you can get through a kind of painful session that you were probably better off for doing it than not. And, um, and then just over the years, I kind of figured out that I didn't really need to do that on my own. And then taking rock blades kind of brought that full circle for me where I was like, Oh, now I have the, the understanding neurologically what's happening that I'm getting these results without beating people up you know what I mean so yeah. it was really reaffirming for me that I had kind of gotten like over time just by using it in clinical practice that I kind of came to some similar conclusions and then you know obviously Steve and what Rock Tape did with that course is just really bring that wrap in the biopsychosocial wrap in what's happening in the nervous system and make it and make it really understandable and, and so for me that was really validating to kind of get to a similar place with it and then actually have the the reason behind why I was experiencing with my clients what I was experiencing. So yeah, I agree with you, man. Totally mind blowing. And I think, I think rock tape has some really cool stuff in the pipe um, yeah. that I think will continue to push that envelope. And I'm really excited to contribute and help if I, if I can, you know, uh, help, help with that. So. Yeah. The, the rock pods are really cool. I've been using cupping for a long time and I was really pumped when they came out with their own set. Was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, so you know, I listened to you on the Rock Tape podcast, which is uh, if anybody wants to hear your origin story, that's the place, right? So, but then you started teaching for Rock Tape last year, like in July. Is that right? Yeah, this past, yeah, last year in July, 2018 was when I first started teaching. I was onboarded around this time last year. So there was like, you know, we went to Colorado for like an instructor boot camp um, in April. And then it was just kind of like, here are the decks. Here's all, you know, obviously they set us up for success, you know, with all the material, right. but, uh, and then I started teaching in July and it was at a feverish rate ever since, which has been awesome. Yeah. So that's, so last year I did a lot of education so that, and it was just kind of the thing where the previous year I was just telling everybody, you know, when somebody comes up and asks you, Hey, how's it going? You're like, well, I feel like I'm running down a hill that's too steep and I'm going too fast. That's how it feels. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then last year it was like well remember that hill i was telling you about well i fell and i'm just falling down the hill i have no idea what i'm doing you know just right. trying to to get my wits about me because like and you know this year i'm really focused on integrating everything i've learned over the last couple of years but 
that just kind of sounds how your life is going where, you know, you're, you have your practice and then you're teaching now and then you're also teaching elsewhere, right? Uh, yes. So, I, you know, I'm a clinical instructor at Hofstra, so I don't teach courses there, which, which may happen. I don't know if I teach an actual class. Uh, that was something that I was talking to them about, uh, potentially teaching their manual therapy class. Um, so yeah, right now it's obviously the movement underground is a new endeavor. So that, that's taking up a lot of the time teaching for rock tape and I'm in the process now of developing my own courses. So hopefully this year you'll start to see some online courses from me, uh, available and, and then maybe some other paid content. But, you know, I still really like producing the content for free, like doing stuff like this. Um, Anthony and I are going to launch a podcast this year too, the movement underground podcast. So yeah. that should be coming out in the next couple of months. Right. Um, you know, just as like, yeah, like, you know, and, and just, I think over the last couple of years, like with social media, I've, I've gone like, okay, I was all in on YouTube and then I kind of backed off YouTube and I was like all in on Instagram and then I kind of backed off Instagram a little bit. So this year I want to do a really good job of just kind of putting content on each of these platforms individually and, and kind of spreading it out a little bit more and, and, and just making what I give for free more robust and then hopefully people like it and want to hear more and maybe buy my course. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, right now, man, I'm just enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. You know, I got great people around me. Um, you know, so I really can't complain. It, it, I'm busy, but like in the best possible way. Right. Um, and it's a lot of fun and just, I'm still learning. So I'm going to do some more traveling this year and, you know, just mix it up. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I was alluding to, because at a certain point you just like, it gets to the point where you're just kind of optimizing your time better. Like all of a sudden, yeah. like, you know, cause I started this podcast uh, last year. I did my first interview with, which was with Steve Capobianco uh, probably the year previous to that, but then had like cataclysmic computer distress where, you know, every computer I had died and I was like, Oh my God. So then I had, all, I was just sitting on this interview for a whole year and then it's just all of a sudden you're just doing stuff. Right. And then you're right. like, Oh, now I'm like 30 podcasts in. Okay. And then, so like the talk about your, your time optimization because you have, are you still with the recovery lab or did you start your own thing? Uh, so yeah, so that kind of was a, a former business partnership that unfortunately just didn't work out. Um, yeah, I won't go into too many details there, but you know, promises were made, certain things not kept. And so then it ended up being kind of like a toxic, uh, business environment and and it just was time to let that go it was i i i maxed out what i could do there you know it was 110 yeah. square feet you know it was a relatively unproven model and you know uh, you know my former partner you know allowed me to try that model and, and it ended up being successful and making a lot of money and then that ended up becoming an issue for the two of us and so you know the movement underground is is basically my opportunity now to kind of fix the things I did wrong the first time with recovery lab and, you know, really improve the client experience, but also improve the therapist experience. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do is it, it you know, instead of just selling sessions, I want to really not, I want to sell an experience. I want people to come here and have like that partnership, that alliance that they're looking for where it's, they know their person is in their corner. It's all multidisciplinary. Um, but it's basically the way I'm describing it is like a coalition of independent therapists, meaning, yeah, we all operate out of the same space and we're doing it in a collaborative environment, but these therapists are all running their own businesses and, and right. they, you know, I'm, I'm providing the marketing and the, and the, and the platform for them to do that. But, you know, basically they can come and go as they please. So I'm kind of trying to match that 
you know, what a millennial worker, you know, a new grad or someone who's entrepreneurial in spirit just maybe doesn't have all the know-how on the back end um, in terms of like the business side, or maybe they just don't even want to deal with that. Maybe they just don't like, man, I, you know, like for me, if I had millions in the bank, I would treat people for free. I would do it for free because I just love to do it. Uh, Like helping people intrinsically is valuable to me. And that's more important than we also got to make money. If you're a business owner, you got to make money too. So I wanted recovery lab was an attempt to make the clinical model match the business model. And, And I think I did that to a certain extent, but the problem was it wasn't scalable because it was just me in a tiny little room and, you know, it didn't really get, it didn't foster growth for another therapist. And so the new space, much, much bigger, three tables, you know, uh, and I actually have an exercise area in here now, which is huge. Um, and, and so I wanted to be super collaborative and super interactive amongst the therapists, but they get the better value proposition in terms of the business side where they can make their money, come and go as they please, treat their people. And we're all just communicating, working together. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, so yeah. far, so good. It's only been a few months um and i'm really excited for to see where this is go but now this gives me the ability to i mean you know massage therapy or or any kind of like manual therapists like you're only getting paid when you're working on somebody and, right. and so i think a lot of people love it and they and then they fall you know they fall in love with helping people but then they end up in this situation where 20 years into their career they are not making any money and or they only make money when they're working and they just get burnt out so right. what i'm trying to do is build in a system where you know, like I could, like in the old, in recovery lab, I would leave to go teach because it was good for, you know, like financially it was great for me and it was great for my soap, my, my personal brand and learning from all these instructors. But then my business partner would get upset that I wasn't treating people, you know, on those days that I was teaching. And so that ended up creating friction. And so now I'm building it in where it's like, Hey, I can come treat my people. Oh, I don't want, I can't be here Thursday, Friday. Then you're not here Thursday, Friday. And don't worry about paying rent and all these other things. So it should work out where it's like everybody's teaming up for the greater good. And, but we all are running our own ships and are in control of your own destiny. I think that's important for a therapist to like, Hey, if I'm going to be in here and crush and hustle and work really hard and get great results and really give people a great experience, then you should make what you're worth. You know what I mean? The clinic shouldn't be making more than you make. You know what I mean? Ideally, you know, business owner wants to make money and I get that. So I'm trying to meet it somewhere in the middle. You know, obviously I feel like there's going to be some hiccups, um, but I think, I think it has merit and I think, uh, if everything goes, you know, close to plan, it doesn't have to go according to plan, but if it kind of lands somewhere in the middle of what I expect, then I think that's a huge win. I'll call that a win. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot to unpack there. So I think, uh, so the first thing is failure, right? So, um, sure. just being a CrossFit coach, I've been a CrossFit coach for close to a decade. Like one of the things that I have to remind people a lot that failure isn't bad. It's just a thing. Sure. And then you just know, you just, it's the, the, the most data rich environment that you could possibly be in because then you figure out what not to do next time, what you can do better. Like, and so, you know, a lot of that is mindset. And if the mindset isn't clicking, then it's not working. And that's just the way. Right. Right. Yeah. There's two ways to go. It's you can accept the failure and, and not judge yourself for it. And it's, a normal thing and, and learn from it and take that learning opportunity and that growth opportunity. Or, and then and there's some people who take that failure and they just can't let go of it. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and it ends up becoming an anchor for them. And so even with people like with rehab and injuries, you know, they'll come in and they feel like they're broken and like this injury is an anchor for them and just getting them to let go of that. Right. I feel like 
huge, huge part of what we do as, as manual therapists and as corrective exercise for coaches or coaches. Right. That's who we are. I'm a coach more than right. anything else. And so um, just getting them to like, hey, it's, it's okay to reflect on these things. Don't judge yourself and don't beat yourself up for it because that's not doing you any good as you move forward. So um, right. I've taken lots of lumps in my life. And so I think I'm very lucky and grateful that I, I, I'm very young and I learned these lessons at a very young age. And so um, I, I hope that I continue to be able to do that. Yeah. And I went through some uh, stuff at the end of last year that kind of left me scrambling, trying to figure out what I was going to do as well. So Sure. Know, trying, to, trying to get my office set up and then uh you know i have a personal training business and that kind of got screwed up to where i had to figure out a new place to train people and now they're not within the same spot and so now i'm trying to yeah. figure that well, out so that's literally a, what happened to me man it was uh yeah. you know kind of a falling out between my former partner and i and next thing i know like randomly out of the blue like i just assumed we would work it out because we'd always done that we've always worked really well together and, and i just assumed he was going to do the right thing and meet me where in the middle where that's all i was asking for is to be met in the middle and then all of a sudden he's like yeah so this is where we're done you know and all of a sudden i'm like i have 30 40 clients that i see and pro athletes and all these things and i have no place to treat right and i was really you know obviously upset for you know i had students that were there and so it was like totally like a nuke went off um, and I was like back to square one with nowhere to be. And, and after working my ass off for the last four years to build that up and all of a sudden a friend of mine who's a strength coach in the area for a former client, somebody I had treated before had a space 10 minutes away. And, and I was like, Hey, like, you know, um, this is my situation. What's going on? He's like, dude, come here tomorrow. And so basically by the end of the week, I had another place to be. And so yeah. it's funny how stuff works out. You know, one door closes, other doors open. You know, if you're, I feel like if you're just keep your ear on the ground and you can just stay kind of true to your course, those things will reveal themselves. And so it tends to work out the way it should and for the better. I mean, this is a much better situation yeah. personally nice. and, and from a business perspective. So I'm pretty stoked to see what 2019 brings, man. And that's the interesting thing is that it always works out no matter what. Yeah, it'll work out. It'll work out, you know, and, and so that's kind of what I want the underground, the movement underground to be is just like, you know, that place where everybody's welcome, everybody has a home, um, and, and we all can just work together, break down the walls so we can build each other up, you know, and instead of competing, let's just work, let's make each other better and, and see how that goes, you know? Yeah, and so that, you know, the one of the similarities between our business is like the manual therapy part, and that's where you know, we get most of our business from, right? And so, sure. but then, you know, there's always that time where you're like, God, I'm doing really good. This is really great. And then the holidays hit and you're like, shit, I'm going to die. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to starve to death. I'm going to get kicked out of my house. But you always get enough and you always get everything you need. And so, right. and, you know, so then it's all about that mindset, right? So like when you have those times of, of famine, I guess is what I'm sure. saying, then that, gives you gratitude for when you're really busy. And also- hey man, I, I tell, I say, I, I really do believe this. And then this is something that's part of, it's the, one of the core values of the movement underground um, is if you always give, you'll always have. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, an early mentor of mine, Glenn Marinelli, who was the head of play trainer at Maris for almost 30 years. Uh, he's no longer with us. He actually died of brain cancer, which is really horribly tragic. But he told, my my big my biggest concern and i love athletic training i really do and i always wanted to work with athletes and i wanted to be in that setting team setting and 
but I was really worried because athletic training doesn't typically pay well. It's a really hard lifestyle. Like most athletic trainers are working 60, 80 hour weeks for less than minimum wage. If you were to do it by an hourly rate and yeah, it's awesome. You get to work with some amazing athletes and go to some cool places, but it's not a very easy lifestyle. And that, oh, that was always something that, that worried me about, you know, my life. And like, you know, I spent over a hundred grand in school and is this going to be worth it? And he told me that if the passion is there, the money will follow eventually. And so I've just kind of stuck to that, man. And, and, you know, if you love what you do and people see that and you're genuine about it, I think a lot of those issues start to melt away. Right. I think when you get really concerned about the money and you're, oh, and you're counting and once you get into the point where you're counting sessions and you're like, okay, if I can do this amount of sessions, it's going to be this amount of money. And again, I'm not saying don't project and know your numbers, like know your numbers. If you own a business, like what you were doing, you got to know your numbers. And so that you're making sure that your pricing is right and your allocation of time is right and all these different factors. But if you get so caught up in that part of it, like figuring out pricing structures and how many sessions and, I feel like you've already lost at that point. Like you're already, now you're scrambling and you're focusing on stuff that really doesn't matter. Right. Because if you just focus on that person that's in front of you and you, you know, give them a hundred percent of your attention while they're in front of you, they're going to feel that and they're going to see that. And I, and again, the best compliment anybody could ever give any clinician, regardless of what your credential is or what your approach to treatment or training is, is if they refer a friend or a family member, that is the best compliment that you can get. And so my goal with every person is I want them to have such a great experience that the first thing they think about is that person that they love that's also struggling and yeah. they want to bring them in. So if you can get to that point, the numbers start to not matter as much, you know, right. and the money will be there. And so like you're saying, like, obviously know your stuff. You, you got to, there are times of the year where it just gets really slow. August is another time, like the holidays. Yeah. Forget it. But the August, like right Right is like school's about to start back up, especially me. I work with a lot of college and high school athletes. It's like a nice big chunk of my business. And, you know, as soon as school gets back started, parents are crazy trying to figure out their schedules. And, you know, you're going to have those ups and downs, but right. it's just natural. And if you just, if you're patient, you don't panic, it ends up working out. Right. And then the whole falling out thing, like it's not, it's a, it's a, it's something that creates tension. And then the tension is what accelerates you forward to what you're supposed to be doing. Right. So yeah, man. keeping your, keeping your eye on that, just being like, okay, so now I'm going to where I needed to go because I was too comfortable here or there was something that wasn't right here, but I was settling for it. And so now right, right. I want. Uh, here's another really great analogy. And it's, it's like, I don't know if you saw the t-shirts on my site, recovery isn't a weakness, it's a weapon. And, and I chose the bow and arrow for the imagery on that for a very specific reason, because it's, I think it's a great metaphor for life and what you just said with tension, right? So if you're taking a bow and you're, and you're drawing that bowstring, right? It's pull, you're getting pulled back right. in a sense, right? So think about your life. You're getting pulled back. It's, you know, it might be a point in your life where, you know, professionally things aren't going well or personally things aren't going well. And, and we all, listen, the reality is, is we all have shit. Every person has shit. Right. And that is like that metaphor of like, oh, you're creating, you're building all this tension because you're getting pulled back. And it's only doing that because you're going to get released. Right. You're going to get released and launched. And, and I think like, so what I mean by recovering, you're recovering that, that, that bowstring. And, and when you release it, that's when all the cool shit starts to happen. And so right. earlier in my life, you know, in my younger days, when I, I don't think I was as wise or, you know, as experienced, I would fight that. I would fight that everything happens for a reason. I didn't believe that because 
I hated the notion that I wasn't in control of my own destiny. And then as soon as I started just accepting it yeah. and, and not letting it kind of make me crazy, that's when really good stuff started happening. And it, it just, again, you, everybody's going to have downturns. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have obstacles and adversities. And, and that is the nature of life as a human being on this planet. And um, just know that, you know, it, it's all because it's getting, it's setting you up for something bigger. And so right. as soon as I accepted that really great shit started happening for me and, and it was really cool. It's really awesome. I'm just grateful for it now. Right. And then it's a, a known fact that humans need struggle. Like they, they call oh, for sure because that's how we grow and that's how we get better. And that's what gives us that little sense of victory is no matter what your struggle is. So that's, you know, one reason why we have to create exercise because we need to go struggle. And if we don't struggle, then, you know, we get complacent. And then there's a lot of people in the world that don't really have to struggle. So then they go out and find it. And so that's where, you know, the, this, yeah, this age of outrage is coming up. Well, how dare you do this or how dare you do that? And it's like, God, you got to get right. You're, you're, okay. you're searching for some kind something to struggle. I mean, it, it could be as simple as like I started last year with the whole, I read Aubrey Marcus's book and um, you know, with the cold shower and, and you know, like, so you take your normal shower in the morning, which I do. And then the last three minutes it's blasting it full bore cold, as cold as I can get it, which in the winter time in the Northeast, that water gets some, cold <laughs> yeah and it's, and it's and it's and it's like for me every single day it's a moment of triumph right. the way I start my day because i have to get over that mental obstacle of fuck i'm going to turn this handle and then my comfort is instantly going to be gone right. and i'm intentionally doing this now i'm intentionally destroying my own comfort zone so that i can struggle and just get through that three minutes and and when i come out i feel amazing it's yeah. because it's my first win for the day um, that I overcame some adversity. And even though it was self-created adversity, I feel like that sets me up to win in other aspects of my day. And, um, and then we can get into the physiological or the hermetic benefits of that and, and you know, what that does for you physiologically. But I, I find the most um, compelling benefit that I get from it is the overcoming struggle. Right. And, you know, in, in the springtime, once it starts to get a little bit nicer out, I'll start to do like my ocean dips in the morning again. Yeah. Obviously, the water's 38 degrees here. There's just no way. Yeah. I'll probably be like, oh, you big pussy. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, so like. I'm, I'm not doing it, man. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've been on the David Goggins war wagon ever since that guy released his book. And I listened to his audio book literally twice in a row. And that guy is like one of the most inspirational people ever. And I feel like if you could just reach 10% of what that guy does, then you're crushing it. I've been talking to all my friends. So A, all the friends that listened to it were like, is are all audiobooks like terrible now because of that? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> why? Because that one's so good. What, what was the name of it? I gotta, I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, so it's, like, I love audiobooks. I yeah. So jam. It's called Can't Hurt Me. by, And it's by David Goggins. And so he's... Uh, just the, the, his whole entire story is basically gives you like no excuse for anything. Essentially. It's sure. phenomenal. Right. And so he's, um, but like I keep saying, like if you accomplish like 10% of what that guy's doing, then you're doing amazing because you know, like, and he said like one of the things that motivation is crap. Nobody's ever motivated 
to take a cold shower. Nobody's ever, like I bought an ice bath last year. Nobody's ever motivated to get in the ice bath. You just have to do it. Sure. You know what I mean? And so, um, just it's, that's how you get disciplined is by doing the stuff that you don't want to do more often. Right. Sure. Like, I don't want to make right. my bed. I don't want to do dishes, but I just got to do them. And so I think that he's a, I think he's an incredibly loud voice that everybody needs to hear right now. And regardless if you're disciplined and you're accomplishing or not, because if you're like in a situation like you and I, where we're doing good, but we can always do better. And then sure. all those, all those, uh, those people out there that are really hesitating to kind of just start stuff because they're worried about failing. Like you're probably going to fail, but like we were just saying, it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. So like you're just, just yeah. and start something. So yeah, like, man, I, I love the whole Gary V approach, man. I want to keep failing. Yeah. You know, because that means if I continually fail, it's because I keep putting my chips back on the table. Right. And the day that I don't do that anymore is the day that I got to walk away. Yeah. Um, you know, and just be done with it because you got to take risks and, and then I'm not, you know, you got to calculate your risks and all those things. But right. I agree with you, man. I think, I think the biggest issue across society in 2018, 2019, like in the current age is that we're all too comfortable. Right. We're all too comfortable. We're, we have so many ways to mitigate stress and mitigate hardships because everything is super convenient. And, you know, one of the things about working with high school kids specifically in this setting, in a strength and conditioning setting that I love is the weight room becomes the ultimate equalizer because it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much education or where you are in your class or where you are in the hierarchy of your sports team. That bar weighs 45 pounds for everybody yeah. and it can, it can break you or it can carve you out of marble. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, I love that part about it. And I think, you know, like, you know, my experience, you know, like this is like combining my experience from here with East coast, but also at amp and, you know, we'll get parents sometimes that would be like, okay, what's the most expensive package thinking they could just throw money at the problem and that'll solve it because that's what they're accustomed to. Right. If you want something good and fast, you can just pay a lot of money and you can get that, but you can't do that. It's like, Hey, if you're, you really want your son to be an all American athlete, well, Hey, genetics is genetics. And we're not going to change the fact that you guys are both five foot two and 115 pounds. So right. he might not fall on that elite athlete spectrum. But you know, if all that is equivalent and you're going to put the amount of work in, then yeah, you're going to get better. And, and it's just, I think that's such a great teaching point for kids now because it's really the, one of the few things that they have left. You know, and like, a, you know, PE programs are getting cut everywhere. Arts programs are getting cut everywhere. So there's no uh, barometer anymore for, for struggle, you know, with, yeah. with, with when it comes to development and like younger kids. And, and the best part for us, I think, as coaches and, you know, I'm on more, I'm more on the rehab reconditioning side and Warren who, you know, runs East Coast Sports Performance. He's in the gym that we work together on. And, and um, you know, he sees it more on the strength and conditioning side, but, seeing the character development that also goes along with, you know, having to be consistent and having to come and work out even when you're sore and you're tired and, and you're not seeing results right away. And, and it's not, you know, playing Fortnite, you know, it's, it's being in the gym instead. And, and I think for kids seeing that character development is the part that a, the parents always recognize after like a year of training that they notice the most is confidence, posture, demeanor, is all things that get better with their kids. And then, you know, the kids just evolve and it's really fun to watch that, man. That's why I love working with athletes 
is watch that evolution process take place with somebody is really, really, really fun. It is. And it's a, it's really interesting to see people's confidence kind of grow. So, you know, just being in the CrossFit space every once in a while, we do those one rep max lifts. Right. And so it's really sure. easy for people to be like, wow, that's heavy. I can't lift that. I'm like, well, I think you can. So prove me wrong. Right. You know what I mean? So, sure. um, but then I also do this thing where, um, as they're warming up, I just start telling them what to load. And then they don't, because everybody loads in patterns, right? And so once right. they screw up their pattern of loading, then they don't know how much weight is on the bar. And then they often get like 30 to 40 pounds heavier than their projected thought of what they were going to get. Sure. And so, yeah. and that's just like, those are the putting limiters on yourself, but then it's like, how do you know if you don't try, right? And so, right, absolutely. and then I think that it's important for, kids especially nowadays like with this with the culture that we have to have leadership to have somebody who's like leading by example and out there doing the things that that you should be doing them the way that you should be doing them because i think sure, that, absolutely you know and i've seen the the performance of the younger generation just in grocery stores or coffee shops where i'm like look if you want to be better you have to like be better at everything you know, like take it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, I've kind of learned on my own. And I think that that's where that mindset that people have is really important. And so it, and in this day and age, parents can't provide that all the time. So that's where they seek out somebody like you or like me that's out there in the sure. doing this stuff. Yeah. I think that, you know, even sometimes people find it indirectly, you know, and, and it's always funny to have that conversation with a parent because, like, oh, I've been telling Johnny to sit up straight and do all these things for years. And you tell him once and he starts to do it. And I'm like, well, it's all about context, you know, context is king. You know, they see, you know, again, what their home life is. And wh when they're here, they're in a totally, you're taking them out of their comfort environment. And you're putting them in an environment, which is super important. Like, it's got to be a growth centric environment. And I think that is, is going to cultivate what you, those results that you want to see down the line, if they're just in that environment long enough. And Again, another one of my favorite quotes is, if the flower's not growing, you don't change the flower. You change right. the environment that the flower grows in. You know what I mean? And so sometimes just putting people around other people that are doing what your goals are. I want to be more fit. I want to lose some weight. I want to be a better baseball player. I want to be a better ex-athlete, CrossFit athlete. I want to make my regional or hit that PR. When you see people, when you're around people that are doing that, it starts to – by osmosis right it just kind of diffuses yeah. into you slowly over time and i think the biggest issue or the biggest hurdle for most people is just buying in to the process buying into that long-term strategy and understanding that you just stick to it long enough like we talked about before like time management and habits and once you just consistently do it then all of a sudden it becomes you know indoctrinated within you and you can just do it more efficiently more efficiently more efficiently and that's what it is man just give it, taking that leap, taking that step, giving it its due time to evolve and, you know, really work for you. And I think, again, in, in an age of instant gratification, patience is the hardest thing to come by. It's the, it's the hardest, it's the most valuable commodity is patience and time. And so I think once people make that leap, they start to see, and then they get so much more out of it for their life than just, you know, that PR, that what they look like or how they feel. So it's really cool. Yeah. So then speaking on patience, I think that that's a really important message too. And um, so, you know, that's a Gary Vaynerchuk message, right? Patience. Sure. And, sure. And, but then, you know, the one that David Goggins has is there's no finish line. 
which I think is really important too, because I absolutely started out competing in martial arts and then started competing in CrossFit. And so, you know, this is like something I've been struggling on is with my diet. And so I've always dieting for a competition. So then I'd make sure that I had competitions three to four months apart so that I'd be like, okay, so now I got to tighten it up, have a competition coming up in three months. But now that I'm no longer sure. competing, I had to wrap my head around like, well, how do I eat healthy for the rest of my life? That doesn't make any sense. Or how do I get fit for the rest of my life? And then, you know, what? The, like then David Goggins is like, hey, there's no finish line, bro. You got to do this forever. And I'm like, oh, got it. Right. You know? And so. Yeah, and even, and again, it's like when you're competing too, like you can, you can be super locked in on it and like really regimented. And then, you know, you can, again, that's the thing is like, if your base, if your base habits are decent, like, you know, you eat relatively clean. Like I don't, I don't count macros. I don't count calories. Like I generally know what I'm eating and I try to do my best to eat as clean as possible, especially when I'm teaching. If I'm on the road. I have like a, I have like a code of the road. Like I don't eat fast food. I don't eat chain restaurants. I don't eat stuff that is quick, like pizza or burgers, like you, which is hard to do when you're like, yeah. I go to some parts of the country, man, and there's not many options. Like, you can't just go to Whole Foods, you know? Right. So it really challenges you to, to think about where you're going to go in advance when I'm teaching. And so I think I've done a decent job of that. I've had a few situations where it was unavoidable, but I think, but again, you know, when it becomes unavoidable and I eat that burger, it wasn't because it's not going to completely undo my whole like I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and be 40 pounds overweight. You know what I mean? So it's just a matter of moderation and just being good most of the time, like 80, 20 year old, you know what I mean? Most of the time be generally good. And then dude, you want to blow it out on some pizza and donuts? Like go ahead, man, live your life. <laughs> yeah. That's a, uh, then the talking about uh, the patience as far as it comes to business, that's a thing that, you know, I've been struggling with is that, um, you know, four years in right now. And so I'm doing pretty sure. good. But then you look at all these people who've been doing it for 30, 40 years that are the quote unquote overnight success. And you're like, well, how do I get there? You know what I mean? Well, you, right. just, yeah. you just bust your ass and work and, and, you know, or somebody like uh, Dr. Perry or, um, you know, one of the really important people um, in my eyes is uh, his, his name is Mitch Peretz. And I met him at uh, DNS exercise one in Denver. And he's one of the smartest people I've ever talked to in my entire life. And like, That's but he's awesome. been doing it for 40 years, you know? So then, sure. so if, you know, we keep going, like we're going where we just keep reading as much as we can and taking as much courses as we can and talking to as many people as we can 40 years from now, we'll be pretty damn smart. You know what I mean? But we still yeah, have, sure. but then those people that have been doing it for 60 years, they're still smarter than we are, but we still, and we still, well, I, I, again, I, and I think it depends. And I, you know, it, it's like, you know, I've also had the opposite experience where I run into that person who's been doing it for 35 years, but they've been doing it the same way for 35 years. Yes. yes you know what I mean? So like experience is also context driven because the same experience for 35 years isn't as good as new experiences for three years. You know what I mean? So, and I think because of, especially if you're on the insurance side, which thankfully I'm not uh, cash, you know, obviously it's, you know, moving on the ground is a cash based thing which makes it possible for me as an athletic trainer to really have my own practice. But um, if you're in that insurance model, like that insurance model breeds routine. It breeds doing the same thing with the same mindset in the same way for the same conditions over and over and over and over again. It literally is breeding complacency and, um, and underachievement in healthcare. You yeah. know what I mean? Like our pay structure is literally breeding 
therapists that don't give a shit and and ultimately the the you know our society is suffering for that right. so you know again another huge advantage to when somebody pays that money out of their own pocket that is a huge buying tool and i'll yeah. and i'm brutally transparent with them like hey listen yeah it's cash yeah could you get reimbursed from your insurance here i'll give you the invoice you can here's my npi number you can certainly try to get reimbursed but pay this money because it's not a cost. It's an investment in you. And because they paid, they're more likely to do their programming. They're right. more likely to stick with it because now they're pot committed. You know what I mean? So I think that's huge for people is to have that. And a lot of people aren't intrinsically motivated to get better. Like we were talking about, like it's really effing hard to turn that shower on blast cold. But you know, if you're, if somebody and a lot of people are extrinsically motivated or motivated by money. So whether that's them making money or them spending money, they're going to be motivated by that. So again, you, if you understand that that can be used as leverage and, and I don't hold it over people's head, but like, I also don't feel bad. Like, Oh yeah, you came and paid this money for my sessions and you're not getting better. Okay. Did you do your program? Because yeah. I'm only treating you once a week because I don't believe like, you know, what changes from Monday to Wednesday, nothing. So like, I'm not going to take your money three days a week. Um, but if you don't do your program, that's, that's on you. You know, like I can't, I, I spent the time with you. We went over it. We have videos. We wrote it all out. We put it in your day. Now it's your job to execute. And if you're not doing that, then you know, that, that is not my law. That's not my, on me. So, you know, and again, when I'm real with people and then they go, Oh man, you know, like kind of let Mike down a little bit. I'm like, no, you didn't let me down at all. I will still do manual therapy with you. I will still work with you, but just, don't blame this or, you know, this approach or this process or this business for your lack of results. If you're not going to do the six things I ask you to do, which is like nothing. Right. Um, so again, it really just, I think it really depends, but I, you know, I think experience, one of my favorite quotes too is Aldous Huxley is experience only teaches the teachable. You yeah. know? And so if you're, if you're always learning, if you're always, you know, trying to be better. If you have that growth mindset, like you do, like I do, like so many others that you, that we talk about in this like small community of therapists that we've kind of built on social media. And I, I would say that we're the outliers in a lot of ways. And that most therapists that I come in contact with, unfortunately are just burnt out and they're beat up and they just, they lost their passion for it because of the system that it's in. Right. Same thing with the environment. The environment is not a growth environment. It's, you know, in the eighties, they were making all this money because insurance is paying you whatever, paying whatever you build it for. And now it's like, you're getting a 16th of what you were billing for then. And your expenses have only gone up. It's really tough, man. I, I feel bad for those people. I do. I really yeah. Do. That's a important thing to bring up. Cause I don't really, I haven't really thought about those people that are pretty stagnant in their careers, even though they've been doing it for sure. a long time. And that's because I'm so, um, intrinsically motivated you just drive forward no matter what and like one of my yeah, biggest... and you're and like you're the out you're the outlier you're yeah. you're you're that you know and and again and, and i guess and it's easy for us to take that for granted yeah. um and and to assume that everybody's like that but like again it's it's you know i'll, I'll even teach some rock tape courses and people want an exact protocol because they don't want to think they don't yeah. even want to think they just want to have it written out in front of them so it's if this then this like if i see this, this is the tape job, or this is the treatment with the blades, or this is what I have to do to get the result. And I'm like, that is 1% of it. That's yeah. you're literally, you're focusing on, you're, you're, you're jumping over dollars to get to pennies, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's not, the bigger picture is the art of how you combine all these things and get people to believe and buy into what you're doing and also stick to the process. 
of, of the treatment and of the training and the rehab or the corrective exercise, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's where you're going to get the result. It's going to take time. So, yeah, I think, like I said, man, experience is, is context driven. If, if you're, if it's the same experience over and over and over again, if you are a growth minded person and you're stuck in an environment where everybody's doing it the same way. And I, and, and that's the thing man. a lot of young therapists, you know, I taught a class last weekend and, and I got to speak to some like two or three physical therapists that are all from like a big box clinic. I'm not going to say which one, but it's like a huge like chain of PT clinics in the Northeast. And they even admitted like, you know, I got out of PT school two, three years ago. I make okay money. And he's like, but I, I haven't learned anything. I, you know, I'm doing it exactly the same way I did it day one out of school. And I, and you know, so that's what the movement underground is supposed to, that's what I want it to be. It's like, Hey, come here, do your thing, but be in an environment where, you know, I'm not going to question what you're doing, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll tell you why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. And if you can draw some, some positives from that, then that's awesome. And then, then that's, that's us helping each other, you know? Yeah. Cause one of my biggest fears is not making progress. So that's what makes me drive so hard to get to where I feel like I need to go. And then to sure. never really be kind of satisfied with where I am. Um, and I think that that's really important and it's, it's easy though. Cause in, you know, in, in my profession, it's easy to just get out of school, go to massage envy, and start working eight hours a start day. Rubbing, yeah, start yeah. rubbing people down. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, but that's not my thing. And if I would have done that right out of the get, then I would have been stuck there because that's, that's comfort. Right. But now yeah. I have such a unique way of practicing that there's nobody within hundreds of miles of me that does anything remotely close to what I do. So like, you know, so then sure. and, you create your own market, man. And that's why right. people ask me all the time, like, Mike, how'd you do that as an athletic trainer? It's like, I I didn't do anything. I, I, I created a market for my services. Right. I don't misrepresent myself. I'm not a ther- I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not a chiropractor. I don't, and I don't tell, and I don't, I make that very, very clear that my experience is really in this movement reconditioning, like athletic performance. And yes, I take a manual therapy approach to it, but um, you know, again, you created a market for your services and I think like that's what you have to do. And so, you know, one of, the best pieces of advice I think for from a business perspective. And, and this was something uh, again at the instructor summit, you know, some other new instructors that are kind of in a similar place. They're just starting their new clinics and how'd you do this? How'd you do that? Like, how'd you set this up? And I'm like, bro, start from the back, yeah. start from what you want that client experience to be. What do you want somebody to feel when they come to your space? Start there and then work backwards from there. And then that's how you, your systems because that has to be everything that you do now all these systems that you put in place all the marketing materials all the copywriting all the social media all these different things that are facets of running a business all of it means shit unless it's communicating that end experience to them in 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 some kind of consistent manner and so i think if you can do that and just start at the start at the at the the dream what is it going to be what is somebody going to feel what are they going to experience when they come here and then work backwards from there. It makes all of those decisions really easy. And I think that's why it's important to have something like core values and have those values that you can measure your, that's what I'm going to measure my success by, not, not the money in the bank. I'm going to measure it by, are, am I being true to these core values? And, um, and if you want, I can, I can share some of them with you. But, you know, I think that if I'm five years in and all of those core values are still being met, I'm winning. You know, right. that's, to me, that's successful. And if I can just expand on that in 10 years and, 
15 years and 20 years, I feel like then the money will be there and everything that I need, you know, I'll have what I need. And I, I'm hoping to just build a culture of other therapists that can just love what they do and, and just not struggle financially and, and have the lifestyle that they want and the flexibility that they want and, uh, and have, have it all simply because they're giving it all, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. That's a, so then the, the social media aspect I think is really interesting too, because everybody's trying to find their voice. And I think that, you know, sure. just recently I found mine, which is like, you know, just kind of a movement based practice with like manual therapy on top of it. Because in my opinion, it's all the same thing. Like you, sure. you need, sometimes you need manual therapy to move better and sometimes you need to move better and then get manual therapy so you can continue to move better. Right. So then it's like, sure. Right, so, right. so trying to figure out how to integrate all that stuff, but then also as uh, part of my personal training business, like looking, I post videos of what I do. So when my athletes are like, that's really hard. I'm like, I know. Cause I did that and you're doing it <laughs> and you're doing a scaled version of it. Right. So then, everything's infinitely scalable. And I think that that's where I've taken through, or that's what I've, uh, the message that I've gotten through like the DNS and then, uh, the functional range conditioning and then the, 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 all the other movement courses that I've taken is that everybody can start somewhere and they can all just do that indefinitely and then infinitely scale that movement up. And so yeah. you know, my whole thing is like movement is, is, kind of like a martial arts practice. So, you know, like jujitsu where you come into me and I determine through my assessment, if you're a white belt mover or a blue belt mover or a purple belt mover or a brown belt mover. And then I stick you in where I think you are. And then you make progress from there. And sometimes you don't sure. have a white belt. Yeah. It's a spectrum. It's a spectrum, you know, right. and like that's the whole start people where they're at and having them understand where they're at because like I'll get, I'll get athletes that come in and, I had one gentleman a couple of weeks ago who, you know, is doing all these higher level training movements, but he can't freaking glute bridge. You know what I mean? Like he can't bridge efficiently without having pain or dumping his pelvis or, you know what I mean? So I'm like, he's like, yeah, but I can deadlift 450 pounds. I'm like, that's awesome. But like, how do you feel when you deadlift 450? Oh, it hurts like hell. And I can't move for three days. I'm like, okay, so let's, let's start here then because yeah. let's clean this up. And I'm not saying you have to be, glute bridging with a minivan for six weeks i'm saying let's clean this up and then take the next step and then take the next step and then all of a sudden you go back to deadlifting it's like oh great i have more context around where my hips are and how i'm going to manage this load and it's just starting you where you're at and i think people a lot of times people the biggest hurdle can be accepting that where they're at you know and even for me, like the last three to four months have been real. I've been really inconsistent with my own training just because I've had so much stuff going on. And so I'm basically going to start over again, you know, and I'm going right. to document that process because it's, it's, you know, like, yeah, I'm a movement guy. I'm an athletic trainer. I'm a strength coach. And we all go through periods where we slack ass on, on the training side. And that's where I'm at right now personally. Right. And, um, I start where I'm at, you know what I mean? I'm not going to go start picking up weight, heavyweight. I'm going to start with, Hey, let's get my basic movements back. Let's get some, get some endurance, strength endurance back. And, and then I'll start working from there. And it's just understanding where you're at so that that's how you mitigate your risk. You know, because right. then what, what good is it? What good am I to people if I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to get back into lifting. And, but you know, in four weeks from now, I want to be like right at my sub max weights and, you know, and I hurt myself, but now I can't help anybody. So it's like, you know, sometimes 
you just got to be smart, you know, and, you know, like I lift very differently now than I used to because I have a lot of injury issues and I have to manage that. And yes, it doesn't stop me, but again, know thyself, you know what I mean? Know your body. And, and again, the only way to get there is to use it and understand what, where your limits are. And, and some people will overdose and I don't always even think that that's a bad thing. Like, Oh crap, you overdosed, you're running. Like now you're really hurting. That might be an air and an opportunity or like where we integrate some manual therapy to get you back over that hump again. But now you know where that upper limit is. You found right. where that limit is for you. And so now we can use that as a biometric for how we're going to dose whatever exercise or movement that you're doing or that you want to do so that we're, we're continually building your ceiling and your thresholds, and your capacities without habitually crossing that line. And so, um, again, there's value to fit. And again, it, it just comes full circle. Our first topic of conversation was failure. And it's knowing where your failure is and, and, and just being able to use that as a point of reference, you know? Right. And then knowing where you're at, like, it's, like you said, so like 2016 was really pivotal year as far as like strength goes for me. And then after a while I'm like, okay, so now what am I doing? So like, yeah. you know, I deadlift 500 pounds. Do I really want to put in six months of really hard training to maybe deadlift 525? What are we doing here? So like 500 is pretty cool. Right. So now like, you know, get to the point where you're, I'm like kind of at the point where I'm comfortable with doing like an indefinite maintenance phase to where, you know, I'm just maintaining the strength that I have because I got to this point where right. I'm happy with it. And so that's uh, a conversation that you need to have with people. And I think, um, you know, just being a CrossFit coach for so long, I think that that's where CrossFit tends to falter quite a bit is, you know, looking at people and, watching them deadlift bad, but not, not really having a regression from the deadlift to where they right. go in order to get, you know, awareness of what their core actually is or anything like that. Yeah. So then, you know, they're just like, well, just, you're not really deadlifting right, but you got to do 50 in this workout. Yeah, so reps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then just, yeah, just, man. and so that's just kind of where my brain's at and I'm trying to really influence my gym the best way that I can and keep people as safe as possible. And, you know, that's yeah, just beautiful, man. because, uh, you know, like we were speaking on this, that's a community, right? So that's where, you know, they, people join the gym, they see where other people are at, they see where their potential is, and then they, it really encourages them to go that way. And that's one of the things that I really like a lot about CrossFit. You know, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about CrossFit because people ask me all, what do you think about CrossFit? They're waiting for me to say like, oh, it's it hurt the injury rates, this, that. Like, I'm like, listen, here, look at what CrossFit's done really well. They built a tremendously powerful community, empowering community for people who, you know, and, and you look at the people who are attracted to it. A lot of them are former athletes that they get out of college and now they're working regular people jobs and they just miss that competition they miss that environment of collaboration and people you know like you hit your lift and like you're getting hugs and like you know people you know what i mean like they just a lot of people are driven by that more the community aspect than than the numbers or the weights or the lifts or the type of training that it is and um i think it really depends like even for me now personally like i in lat you know again had some personal stuff and so i kind of became very introverted when it came to my own training so like even like all through last spring, 95% of my workouts were by myself on the beach, no phone with a kettlebell or a mace or an Indian club or just something new that I haven't done before and going and just being really crappy at it on my own, you know, 
without other people watching and just doing my thing and exploring some new ways to move. And now I'm really cool. And now it's cool because I've gone through that experience. Now I can integrate that with some of the things that I'm doing. Like where do I find value in using a mace and unbalanced loads and, you know, just Indian clubs as part of like rehab. And, and just, again, you, you, sometimes novelty is a great way too to, to get people to buy in or to, to learn about yourself. Cause it's, you know, it's always, it's a, it's a really scary thing, but it's also a really powerful thing to be new at something. And so that's something that uh, I've challenged myself for this year is to be new at more stuff and, you know, and just um, be a rookie at more stuff and, and then go from there. And, and I think over, I think you can grow a lot from that personally, you know? Right. I agree. All right, man. So we've been going for about an hour. Let's wrap this thing up. Yeah, uh, sure. Where can people find you? Um, I mean, obviously I'm most active on the Instagram at Mike Stella underscore ATC. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of took a little bit of a content hiatus, but you'll see a lot more content coming on there. I got the new Instagram, the movement on at the movement underground, which is going to this account. You know, I'm going to repost a lot of stuff on there. I'm going to put some unique content on there. It's going to be more of like, you know, the ins and outs of like the business and reaching out to us on that. And then obviously the movementunderground.com. you know, if you want to check that out, that's kind of a filler site right now. There's more, there'll be a blog on that site. There'll be, you know, more ways to interact. Um, you know, I'm hoping to obviously start the podcast and use that website as a platform for the podcast and reach people that way. So stay tuned for that. And I'll make my announcements on all that YouTube, the movement underground. So I took my old YouTube channel and just rebranded it so that it was more reflective of the new business. And so all my old content still up there. If you want to see, you know, the session sit in videos or, you know, what that's all about. It's still a very similar process. Um, but yeah, I'd say Instagram, YouTube is where I'm the most active. And then my personal brand site, which kind of is a little bit of everything. It's like my rock tape tours, my will be what my teaching tours are like for my own course, hopefully this year and like where you can buy maybe the digital product versions of those. Um, and also, you know, a little snippet about what the movement underground is. So that's MikeStellMovement.com. And you can, uh, you can hit me on there as well. Uh, Lots what, of different stuff. What books are you reading right now? Uh, what books am I reading right now? So I actually, when I was at the instructor summit, uh, I was talking with Adam Wolf a lot and I kind of am taking a little bit of a break from more of the deeper stuff. I'm actually listening to the beastie book right now, okay. <laughs> which is the beastie boys book. Yeah. Really good. Uh, and then he also recommended quest loves book. Um, so I'm going to check that out maybe, but I don't know. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot more podcasts recently. Yeah. So I kind of mix it up. Like, so I've been listening to a lot of Aubrey Marcus podcasts. Um, I dabble with some Joe Rogan here and there, but Aubrey Marcus is really, I've been listening to a lot of his stuff. And then some of the guys that he has on his show, listening to their stuff. And uh, so, yeah, it's the book right now is the beastie book. I'm trying to think of what I just did before that. Um, some of the ones that might, your audience might be more interested in stealing fire is one that I really loved. And I recommend to a lot of people. I don't know if you check that out or not. Um, really, really interesting. If, you know, d different insight on, on, I think, you know, the way people make decisions in terms of mindset and mindfulness and these things, different things. Really, really cool. I definitely recommend Aubrey Marcus's book. I, I thought it was awesome. If you're somebody who really likes to biohack and kind of like tweak little things in your lifestyle that can really optimize the way you feel and the way you function and the way you perform. I, I really like the way he laid that out. So I have some aspirations of maybe doing something a little bit similar, but more on the movement side. Nice. Um, but that's, yeah. I would say those, those kinds of things are really what I'm into right now. 
Yeah, and I'm telling you, man, listen to David Goggins' book. It'll change your life, dude. And said so that. Oh, another book. So I got a. I have one of my black belt. Uh, my I have a black belt uh, BJJ client who I've been working with for a couple of years. Really bad low back pain case. Could barely walk when I met him, and um, he gave me a book, The Book of Five Rings. Yes. So I actually started reading that. It's a. It's a. You know, a book about like ancient samurai warriors and like the codes of being a warrior and totally different than stuff that I'm accustomed to reading and content that I'm taking in. But I'm always fascinated by that kind of stuff because obviously it speaks a lot about discipline and kind of some of the patience, discipline, you know, wielding the weapon when it's when it's necessary and not just because you can. And I'm, it's funny how like I'll read something that's completely out of context for like what I do. And then I draw these, uh, parallels to what I do, you know what I mean? And so like manual therapy, like you utilize that weapon when it's necessary, not because you can. And yeah. so like, for me, it's, it's a hugely powerful message. So I wouldn't be, you wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing some more quotes from like Seneca and some of these ancient philosophers on my Instagram feed, just cause that's, you know, a lot of the quotes that I post are generally speaking from the content that I'm consuming and that I find value in. And so I just share that, you know, if it's a little anecdote, uh, I actually wrote down one from our our conversation. There is no finish line. I'm definitely going to use that because it's totally true. Yeah, um, it's so it's so good, and people need to hear that. You know, because yeah. it's not a race. Yeah, especially on social media, it's not a freaking race, man. And um, people are like, oh, you got the 10k. That's so cool. I'm like, yeah, you know, like it was awesome. Like that was a milestone I set for myself, but I really don't care about that. Yeah, uh, and that's the truth. It's not about how many it is. It's not a race. I'm not comparing myself to other instructors. I'm just proud of what I've been able to put together and be consistent with it and, and that people enjoy it. And, and that to me is enough of a reward, you know? Yeah. And I think the, the book of the five rings, I've read that book three or four times. Uh, you know, I read it when I started martial arts, I read it. Uh, when I did my first cage fight, I read it, uh, you know, before I did my second jujitsu tournament. And then I read it, you know, a couple of years after that. And each time I took something different out of that book and it's a, it's a pretty quick read. So I would highly recommend that one also. Really quick read. It's a super small book. Like I literally, he gave it to me. He's like, this is one of my favorite books. I think you'll really like it. Like, so this is a client who started as a client has really become like a friend, like, like a brother. Like I would literally do anything for this guy because I'm just so proud of, of his progress and where he started in extreme pain. Couldn't move at all. But this is a black belt, like a high level guy that this is part of his life. You know, he basically has, people telling him, doctors telling him, give it up, don't do it anymore. And he's like a young dude. And, and so his resiliency just inspired me so much. And we ended up creating such a really strong relationship. And I'm really thankful for that. And I think early in my career, I was always um, not ridiculed, but, you know, I was always told by other clinicians, like, don't get too close to your people because you can't be objective or, you know, you really shouldn't form those friendships and like, you got to keep it strictly professional. And, and I think that's, a, I think that's a load of shit. I think, I think, <laughs> so, I think creating that relationship is the foundation on which you can build somebody's progress. Right. Um, and, they, and they need that. They need that outlet of like, you know, they're coming to see, they're not just coming to see me for manual therapy. They're coming to see me because they enjoy the time that we get to spend together. And for me, that's more important. And so, you know, it, it's a cool thing. And so like to watch his progress and to see where he's at now and, and now, two years into this, like from not being able to walk and stand up straight to we are looking at some competitions this year for him nice. in the IBJJ, you know what I mean? So IBJJF and 
I'm so excited to see him get back on the mat and, and see what he can do um, two years later. And it's just a great testament to, and so he gave me that book. And so I read it purely because he recommended it. And he's like, I really think you'd like this. And I put it in my bathroom and I, it's a great bathroom read if you're interested yeah, in yeah. that. Yeah. So that was the first time in our conversation where I shook my head no instead of yes. Like how dare you say something like you shouldn't have a relationship with the people that you're working with. You no, I know. Like, I, listen, I was really told that early in my career and, and I just never vibed with that because I am somebody who like, I, you know, I, again, I'm grateful for this, but I, I genuinely give a shit, you know, like yeah. I care about the people I work with. I want them to get better. And, you know, I, it's not just a trend, a financial transaction, you know, it's a, it's an emotional transaction. It's a, right. it's a mental transaction. And if in that part is the more important transaction to get versus the money, you know? So again, it's, um, I think that's a great way to maybe wrap it, but, um, yeah. like on the patients and the, you know, when, and just, you know, it's about people relationships. Yeah. That's what matters in the end. And I think that the, the biggest part of our business, like completely honest, regardless of, you know, how we practice or, who we practice on is like the fact that you give a shit about people. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. So like, I'm not offended very easily. And so there's two times where I'm offended. Like when I go to whole foods and I want bacon and they only have Turkey bacon, that's when I'm offended. And then, and then when you said that you, that somebody told you that you shouldn't have a relationship with your patients or clients, it's insane. That's like a right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah no, I, I agree. And then, you know, for, I struggled with that. I really did, you know, because yeah. I was like, okay, the people that I admire, these are mentors of mine. And they're telling me that, you know, Hey man, like you really kind of crossed that line of into friendship and you really shouldn't do that. And I'm like, well, I don't know any other way. Like I, like this is who I am. This is who, so for years I tried to like volume that down and then just, you know, started having my own, you know, issues with practice and not, feeling fulfilled with it. And then I just realized like, that's all bullshit. Like there's no right or wrong way to do anything. Right. You know, it's, as long as it's, again, stick to your basic principles, do no harm, do it for the right reasons, you know, do the right thing by people and everything else works out. Yep. There's your way. And then there's everybody else's way. So do your way. For sure. Time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right on brother. Well, I thank you for, thank you so much for coming on, man. I had a great conversation. Oh man, you're most welcome. Thank you for, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, anytime, you want to do it again, let me know. Maybe when we get the, the underground podcast up, we'll get you uh, to reciprocate. Heck yeah. <laughs> Fired up, man. I can't hey, wait. All right, brother. We'll talk to you awesome. soon. Take care, man. Have a great rest of your day. You as well.